Hello and welcome to another Woodshop Podcast with Mike Coffey of Coffee Custom Builds, Daniel Dunlap of Daniel Dunlap Woodworks, and Peter Kapar of Petrie's Workshop. You can find us all as well as the podcast on Instagram and YouTube. Hey everyone, and welcome to episode 9 of Another Woodshop what Podcast. What's going on, boys? What's going on, fellas? Oh, you know, it's living the dream. Mike, the how's dream your week going? Uh, week's okay. It was less stressful at work, and I got a good amount of shop time in. Um, I was, I've been working on this nightstand all week, and in big news for me, I finished my guitar finally. Um, it is so pretty and it's, it plays so nice. I've never played a guitar that nice and I've played a lot of guitars in my life and it, um, I just love that guitar. I've been playing that a lot this week <clears throat> after I got done with it on Sunday <clears throat> or months. Anyway, whenever I got done with it Monday, I ended up playing it for about an hour and a half that night. And then the next night I played for a couple hours. It was, uh, I'm really glad to be done with that. There's a lot of emotions tied to that build, but, um, What's up, Dan? You you were making a guitar? Yeah, I uh, I did the build on Instagram. It was uh, <laughs> you just have to check out my page sometime. It's yeah, I'll check that okay out. Stuff. Yeah, thanks, bud. Um, so yeah, guitar is done. Nightstand. I'm actually having a lot of fun with this nightstand build. I'm doing a lot of things I've never done, like building a nightstand, and um, <laughs> but like there's like lots of lots of different things that I've never like techniques and stuff I've never done. I'm really having a good time with it. I'm learning new things and mm-hmm. it's just been really enjoyable. I'm just trying, like, as I think of stuff, as I go, I'm just like, let's just do it. So I'm just doing it and it's really cool. So I just finished up the feet for it yesterday and they look really cool. They're really tiny feet. They're it's mid-century modern. It looks, I like it. I'm really happy with it. So that's been fun. I hit some boo-boos with that last night. <clears throat> I messed up and I uh, mortised out the wrong faces on the feet. <laughs> so I had to plug them with the dominoes. And I just flush cut them earlier. I'm going to go finish those up a little bit later. But I think I should have. Oh, and then, you know, of course, with all the wackiness in the world right now, uh, my Amazon order for my slides just got lost. So I had to get new slides. And um, I picked up polls from our buddy Brady over at Bear Hollow Enterprises. Mm -hmm. And I don't know why I didn't think about it. But he also has drawer slides too. So when I build the other two nightstands, I'll get nice. those from him. But um, he, it's got I got some matte black, like kind of like knurled. It almost looks like a powder coat on the poles, you know. Nice. So anyway, it's gonna look really nice. Really, really excited to get going on that. What about you, Dan? I'm working on that bed finally. Yes. I wouldn't say it's on my workbench because it's currently on the floor because it's so big, <laughs> massive. Um, <laughs> it's massive. <laughs> um. Yeah, I'm, you know, I was thinking about that the other night, like, ways to get this accomplished, and I, after I'm, like, 75% done with the the actual structure, I, I figured out a way to do it more simply and effective. Man, that's going to be on my tombstone, dude. Every single time I get <laughs> a new build, man. a new build, I'm like, oh, man, it's I can just been, like, stressing <laughs> me out, like, oh, you should have done it this way, you bonehead. But yeah, that's what I'm working on. It's coming along. <laughs> yeah, no, I hear you, man. Been there for sure, for sure. What what you working on, Pete? Well, before I get to me, Mike, I feel like you skipped over like a big section of 
of milestones for this week. I mean, you finished whatever a guitar. Everyone's made a guitar, whatever. Mm-hmm. But you learned something new this week that you've been oh, crushing at. And I it's did been helping you with some stuff. So you want to talk about that real quick? I did. Yeah. I uh, well, Pete. Last week we talked about fusion. Oh, that's right. So in the podcast last week, I, we were talking about fusion. That was one of our topics. And the next day, I had multiple people reach out to me after the podcast was released, say, hey, you know, Fusion's really great for really highly detailed components, but and if you're doing CNC work and 3D printing, but I had a bunch of people reach out who do furniture design and review. They said, hey, you're going to probably want to use learn SketchUp either as well or exclusively. So since I don't really have a CNC or a 3D printer yet, um, I thought I'd do the deep dive into SketchUp, and I... I uh, I was watching April Wilkerson's tutorial on SketchUp, which is really fantastic. Um, and I've been dive, deep diving into SketchUp all week, and it's just super fun. I'm really enjoying it. I've got a design out to a client <clears throat> that I sketched on a napkin, and I just drew it up in <laughs> SketchUp. I had a little, <laughs> I, I had a little bit of uh, trouble figuring some stuff out, but I'm I really like problem solving and uh, SketchUp isn't incredibly intuitive um but you have to once you figure it out it becomes intuitive so you almost have to forget it's not like you're playing a video game you jump in there and they don't make it intuitive you have there's a million things in a different button combinations and mouse click combinations you got to do but once you it starts to click man it's just for me it's just really fun i really enjoy it so i was able to throw together this bed design that took me like 30 minutes to draw up on pen and paper and it looks like a child, you know, drew it. So now it looks really professional, you know, it ups your Maybe game next time don't use your crayon. Right. No, just, <laughs> I'm I just going to throw that out there. I just have crayons, yeah, just, just mechanical take crayons Take the too. napkin drawing and then staple an invoice to it and like, here's that $5,000 table that you want me to build you. And it just, it has the total and it says, money, please. Money, please. <laughs> it's got Mona Lisa on there. Now, um, yeah, so that is really fun. I'm really enjoying SketchUp. I kept sneaking away yesterday. I was in there for like four hours yesterday playing with SketchUp. I designed a bunch of different things. I'm just really excited about it. So, yeah, I completely forgot about that, Pete. Thanks for uh, reminding me. And I forgot to mention to you, uh, I think there's an iPad SketchUp viewer. There is. I already downloaded it. Yeah. Okay. No, you're ahead of it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I downloaded that. You just got your iPad. You're all happy Yeah, I got my new iPad. I'm super excited. (laughs) But, yeah, Uh, it's nice. Once you connect your account, you can pull up all your stuff that's saved to the cloud and view it on there so if you're having like a face-to-face with a customer or a client mm-hmm. you can show them here and you can do the you can do the view around it everyone can see what i'm doing i'm an idiot <laughs> you can do that you can, you can pan around and this around video podcast image. is great <laughs> yeah <laughs> gosh anyway yeah so sorry pete what, <laughs> what are you doing pete um i'm i am quite literally getting my crap off the ground um i i have a tendency to make piles of tool accessories next to the tools that they belong to. And like literally just, I've had like table saw stuff tossed around a table saw and on the floor behind me and there's stuff in the cabinets. CNC was a disaster. Obviously last week I cleaned that up, but this week I made this funky little Z shelf for all of my table saw stuff. And I could not be happier to have that stuff. Like it looks really nice all over the shop. Thanks, and of course I slapped some unnecessary walnut on that because of course um, I've realized that Mike, you know, Mike was right. I should just embrace it and just put walnut on everything because <laughs> it is the perfect wood. Um, and plus, it just looked ghetto without it, so it just it nice add a little flair to it. Um, but I've just been getting that organized. I finished up uh, two of the the shelves that I was working on, so 
They just need like a final sanding with uh, 220 and some uh, probably wipe on poly for that. But two of the shelves, and it was the, the two that I really liked, they were like nice live edge cherry. These aren't as live edgy. Um, those two are pretty gnarly. And if I like really try to plane them flat, I would end up with like a three quarter inch shelf. So we're going to leave them for a couple of weeks. I got them under some weight, just kind of sitting there to see if I can maybe force them into submission, but I doubt it. I'll probably just have to cut up another uh, slab for the other two shelves, but I can still use it. Nice. There's still nice, uh, nice live edge sections. Maybe I'll make some boards out of them or something. Sweet. Uh, aside from that, I have spent a lot of time in fusion. Nice. Mike. Mike. Um, and I, I had a request for a mini square and I actually had one designed a while ago. So I just tweaked it and pumped out a couple cause I had some people ask about it. Uh, so it's like a mini, I want one. two and a half inch square. I want yeah, it's three. A, it's going in a mail. Don't worry. <laughs> and, uh, it's just for like quick checks. It's mainly for my miter saw. That's why I originally designed it just for like quickly checking something. Cause you can't stick a six inch square in there. Just, you know, check your blade. Uh, then I put little, um, little quarter inch hash marks on there so we can actually like use it for lining up the blade and then i finally refined what i think is the final version of my little gripper holder storage because that is one of the best freaking tools ever invented and one of the most annoying to store because they're kind of blocky and oblong and they just yeah they're they, they for me personally they were like getting tossed around a shop and i would not use it because it was never within reach so and I have this nice little vertical storage for it. I'm going to send one to Mike and Dan probably to test out. And then when they say it's not a total piece of crap, I'll uh, I'll start making them. Could it's you like, also I, send me a micro gripper thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I don't what's funny one. is I literally, on purpose, broke two of them. I I put the like the actual micro jig on and off probably a hundred times because I want to like I'm I'm an I like to overly test things out. Like I tested a crap out of that little push stick that I made. I want to make sure this thing doesn't drive a car over it. No, but I like, I literally was like (laughs) wailing on it. Like I was pulling on the thing (laughs) with the handle, hoping that it would like, I I wanted to see where it would break. Mm -hmm. So I reinforced any of the break points. So it's pretty, pretty damn solid. And I was definitely doing more than anyone is going to be doing to this thing, unless you're trying to do a pull up on it. (laughs) So I literally um, don't own any micro jig stuff. Really? Yeah. Oh man. Well, I mean, there's no micro jig. Hit me up. Now that you need yeah. to, <laughs> they're listening right now. <laughs> Is that how you do that? <laughs> yeah, that's how it works. It's no, they, and then I've been designing a couple other things too. Just been tweaking. I'm probably going to end up ordering actually a second printer because um, I had a lot of inquiries about this. I'm still pumping out the squares. And if one of them dies, if my printer dies, then I'm, I, I'm dead in the water for over a month until I get another one. Uh, so I figured let's just get a second one. This one's easily paid for itself multiple times over. So I can kind of justify the cost and it's, it would be nice to have a backup and be able to print twice as fast. So nice. That'd be nice. But, that uh, nice. that's about speaking that's about of new tools. Me. I got a new tool that? as well. Yes, you yeah. did. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I forgot. You see my grin. <laughs> <laughs> I've only given Mike crap about this tool for like ever. <laughs> I, I finally got the Bosch slider 12-inch miter saw. I upgraded for my little 10-inch DeWalt non-slider <laughs> that I'm I got. I'm so happy you got that. 100 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> that thing's nice. It is How, nice. Is it really that, like, you don't need any space behind it? Yeah. The, I need less space behind that than I did the little DeWalt I had. It's kind of <laughs> mind-blowing. It is there any dust nose. collection on it? There is dust collection, and it comes out the side. So you don't need dust collection right behind it either. So 
yeah, I need less space for that bigger 12-inch miter saw than I needed for my, my DeWalt 10-inch. It's so compact, Pete. I love that thing. It's unreal. Hmm. I'm, All I had to do the was... defect that Mike had to fix on his? What's that? Uh, the insert plate. It wasn't walnut. <laughs> oh, I haven't got to that yet. <laughs> I was like, what is he talking about? It's a factory defect. Yeah, mine came without a walnut insert. That was bogus. <laughs> <laughs> That's on my list of things to do in the future. Take you about five minutes. You don't... <laughs> <laughs> Take about five minutes. It takes no time. That's yeah. a really nice saw. It is. I, I have the the twelve inch Dewalt, and that's just got this like what feels like a two inch bar in the back of it. Every time I try to slide it all the way back, I hit the the garage door. Yeah, yeah, I'm real happy with cart. it. I always knew I was going to get that one, but I always like to give Mike crap about about <laughs> his because I used it in another shop, and I was like, it sucks. I hate it. But it's actually really nice. It is really nice. Well, and I guess that- you know, speaking of. Oh, go ahead, Mike. Well, I was going to say, Dan was always busting at me about its its um, the play, the deflection play on it, and um, it doesn't not exist. <laughs> if you really wrench on the thing, if you really wrench on the on the actual swing arm on the the, the miter, you can get it mm-hmm. to go off about a sixty fourth or even a thirty second. The real trick with the thing is just to make sure you're pulling straight down. And it does. It, yeah. It's not like an issue. Like you really have to be pulling at a, at an angle to get the deflection on it. Um, and then the one thing that I, the one major complaint I do have about that saw, and overall, well, not overall, I'm very happy with that saw, is almost every single thing that you can have to dial in and tweak was I had to dial in and tweak. Almost nothing was square when I got it. Mm-hmm. I finally, I got, I took some time last weekend. And dialed everything in, all the miters and all the compounds and the table, everything, and it's and it's golden now. Um, but it come when it came to me, it was a mess. But you you know, whenever you get a new tool, you should be doing that anyway. You should be going through and I, dialing them all up. Yeah, I checked mine, and they were all pretty pretty spot on. Oh, nice, nice. Mine was not. <laughs> so they must have known that you hate them, and they sent you no. a nice one. <laughs> Since we're talking miter saws, let me get, let me ask you guys this: Do you use your miter saw as a precision tool and i mean really precision tool or do you use it mainly for rough chopping down i with my previous saw could not i could not get it at any point could i get it to actually work to get me anything accurate i am able to now with this saw i don't usually but i bought this saw specifically for the extra capacity because on the bed frame that i'm making I need to make these massive miter cuts. And even with this saw, I still had to flip it over and cut from the other way as well. So, yeah, I'm doing, I'm trying to do precision cuts with this, but I also learned the hard way that my miter saw station that I built is not perfectly flat. So, the miters aren't perfect. Yeah. Which is frustrating. I I will fix it. I did that polk. That Polk style table, you know. So mine is. I'm. I'm really able to to trust mine now. I'm really happy with it. I mean, the torsion box really helped a lot. That thing's dead flat. So, um, it's worked out really well. I'm really happy. Yeah, I wish I had uh, the space for a, a nice little table setup because yeah. I I would love to get this one dialed in. Ironically, of all saws, my old Ryobi True Blue old school Ryobi um, so a miter saw that I had was dialed in and pretty damn accurate, but that was because I had it built into my rolling table. Uh, so it was just set and I never really messed with it. 
this one because it's on a cart and I use um, like essentially outfeed rollers as like my outfeed right. table because yep, I don't use yep. it that much. I pretty much just use it for breaking down lumber. It's like the one at the woodworking school. That one, I would not trust that thing to be 90 after tuning because that, that thing gets beat up so much and would basically just break down lumber on it. Yeah. But maybe one day when I have the station, which I guess that kind of brings us to uh, the topic we want to talk about. We all talked about, you know, in some way shop organization <clears throat> or shop space and we want to talk shop organization. Is it? And, uh, I thought it was well, a yeah, dream shop. Do you want to talk about that? Well, the dream shop. Yeah. Well, uh, Didn't we do shop organization like, last week? We did. No, I meant <laughs> a dream shop, a shop that you can actually have everything organized. We got, we got this down. Right? We got this We're down. <laughs> yeah. No. Sorry. I'm thinking about myself because I did shop organization this week <laughs> because right. I don't have a dream shop. So. Uh, I also don't have a dream shop, but I mean, I want Dan to go first because I really want to hear Dan's. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> My dream shop? Yeah. It It's like a... a 50 by 80 outbuilding with, I'm just going to take Mike's answer pre-show, like with a loft and, you know, with an office space and maybe a nap area. I need a nap area up up (laughs) in my shop. Uh, You know, with every tool imaginable, obviously, and enough space to walk around and not trip over cords and dust collection. And I don't want much. Not much. You know, climate control. (laughs) Yeah, climate control for sure humidity control. awesome sound system a dance floor <laughs> you basically Hooters have a dance in. floor i mean you, you're able to set up <laughs> a wing a station on the floor right now built-in beer taps come on I can I, i'm not asking for much <laughs> that's I mean, my dream shop you, is that your dream Dan, shop answer dan yeah yeah Pete? yeah as long as we're dreaming here why not yeah no I, that's what we're doing here we're going bonkers uh, okay, if we're going. If we're going bonkers, I would definitely say like fifty by fifty. Yeah, and yes, a loft would be awesome. Doesn't have to be a whole section; just enough for like lumber to sit there, no. uh, so I can see it. Or just you know maybe an office or That's what something. Uh, but if I had to do like a realistic dream shop, like something that I see myself so in within the next five years, <laughs> are you saying a dance floor isn't realistic? <laughs> no, no, the dance floor is part of it, but you can also a use it for Express. like a bed build. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I, I definitely think like I would need at least like 30 by 30 or 40 by 40 to really like have the room for all the things that I really want to do. But I think one of the biggest things that people don't think about, it's not the floor space, it's your ceiling height too. Mm. Because like, I'm just under eight feet here. I can't swing a two by four all the way around. Uh, and also I don't have that much room for vertical storage. And I, I think at least 10 foot ceilings is big. Because you can, you know, you can hang up a dust collector. You can have, um, you know, something like a drill press or a bandsaw up against the wall and lumber above it instead of behind it. So it's not really interfering with anything. Uh, so definitely something a little taller. And that's why, I like, I like your loft idea. Because if it's that, if it's tall enough for a loft, it's tall enough for a lot of freaking wall storage. <laughs> if you can dodge a wrench. <clears throat> yeah. uh. But I feel like too big is too big. Because like, if I have to, if I forget something, I have to walk 30 feet to get it. I'm almost going to be like, nah, screw it. I'm not wearing those glasses when I'm making this cut. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean. Unless I'm April and I have Well, if you like got enough money for a floor. dream shop, you got enough money for glasses at every station. Fair. <laughs> they're dollars. I mean, what? They're like $1.50 <laughs> <laughs> for the cheap Harbor Freight. Well, when you're this rich, you're I'll buying them in bulk. The you're getting them for a buck. <laughs> That's yeah, right. the nice hipster ones with the thick rim and the That's side right. shields. It's like five yeah. bucks. I need those. No, I mean, for me, it's basically like we were saying. It's like Jay Bates' shop, something big. I love that he's got the big 
garage doors or the big roll-up doors in the front. Like yes. you can roll all your, your your stock in and bring it straight in. He's got a great setup. The big loft upstairs. I would fully enclose my loft because I'd like to be able to use it as like a recording studio. Not just for the podcast, but for YouTube videos. I'd insulate, insulate it like crazy. I'd put up baffles, really make it tight in there. And then fully climate controlled, humidity controlled. Climate controlled. And yes. luxury shower. Yeah, full full party shower with the two heads. Party <laughs> shower. <laughs> no, I, but I want you know enough space for like a big four by eight CNC, uh, the big sauced up five horsepower with the slider, three you know, phase. the sixteen inch Laguna jointer, and <laughs> just go all yeah. out, just go nuts, you know. Get one of those General Electric twenty four inch joiners that has like a Honda Civic yeah. motor in it. <laughs> you have to like pull start. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, just go for it. But yeah, I, for sure. I just want like a big, it's just, I'm really actually really happy in my shop and it's four, 400 square feet. Um, I mean, I have extra space, but I'm really happy in there. But I mean, just space to not run into stuff just That's would huge. be such a dream. Like it'd just be so nice. Pun intended. Like Pete was saying, a tall ceiling would be sweet. Just you can swing any size stock around and not hit stuff, you know, it just. Just not running, just not stepping over yourself and tripping over your own work. It's really, really the dream. It just sounds enough ridiculous. ceiling room to practice your bow staff skills, right? <laughs> I don't want much. Actually, I twirl batons, so I want to be able to toss them and catch them <laughs> behind your back, right? Yeah, I can see yeah, that. I have to do it outside, and it's windy. It throws off my game. Record my lightsaber battles. It's going to uh, be really yeah. great. <laughs> I should have said that instead of baton. Oh, oh. <laughs> no, um. Yeah, I mean, just space to space to stretch out would be really nice. But, I think that's the overall theme, isn't it? Like, just more space. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's everyone's. I mean, the answer, we we took this question because we knew it'd be easy. <laughs> that's, right. that's the real answer. I mean, it's just we all want more. But, yeah, big big space shop would be really nice. I really like the idea of, like, warehouse-style roll-up doors uh, that you can just roll all your stock in, set it up, have it. Drive a truck in. Yeah, back a vehicle in, load up. Load up pieces for clients and stuff. It just sounds nice. Now, what yeah. if you guys, if you had to, let's say you had an acre of land, you had some property, and you, you actually had to put, like, not so much dream shop, but, like, realistic dream shop. Like, something that, like, you you think you, you know, you definitely work with. Like, basically, the minimum dream shop you, you would be, you would like. I mean. Because, obviously, we, I would love, like, a Jay Bates shop or, like, an April Wilkerson shop. I love that she has a two sections. But then, like, what's the minimum? It's definitely more than a two-car. Realistic for me. In here. Do any of you follow Josh Hescott? Yeah, Josh is great. His shop. He's got a little outbuilding. It's not even that little. It's probably 30 by 30. Something like he, he's got. You know, it's just got more space. It's just a 30 by 30 steel building with the high ceilings. And he's got a lot of space. I, I, I like his setup. I would probably want that, realistically. I mean, very realistically, when we move from here, we're probably going to buy... I mean, we have, like, just under a half an acre. We would buy probably two to five acres, and I would definitely build a 40 by 40 or 40 by 50 or 50 by 50 shop. It would be just... It would just happen. That's, like, very realistic for me. And I would probably... It probably won't be something with a loft, realistically, as much as I would like that, but it will have an office in it, and it will have a finishing room. That's very realistic for me. Yo, finishing room is, I never thought I wanted it until like I really started doing projects in the winter. And damn, you need a finishing room just to like 
keep it nice climate controlled, keep the air ventilated in there and not have to worry about the rest of your work. Cause like, I went through like a week or two where it was a finishing week where I couldn't cut anything because I was finishing multiple projects and it sucked. I couldn't cut any wood. So it was just, everything's on hold. I'd I'd love to just have a room where I can just spray, get everything done, not have to worry about anything or I can, you know, like in the, over the holidays, if I got cutting board orders, like a million of them, I can just throw like giant troughs in there full of walrus oil and throw a bunch (laughs) of boards in there and roll. Just a bathtub. Just drop them in and walk out. So um, you guys hinted at a good thing, a bathroom. Like yeah. not a lot of shops have a bathroom. Like a shower, yeah, nice. would be nice. I've seen people that's, with showers in, in there too. But a, a, just a toilet and a sink with hot water. Yeah, that's the one good thing about my shop currently. It's really close to our downstairs bathroom. I just walk in and go around a corner, and boom, that's it's there. Nice. That's yeah. not something Me I'd want to give just up. Just go in a bucket. <laughs> <laughs> you really need to upgrade your buckets, by the way. <laughs> yeah, it's. It'd be really nice to have like a deep basin sink, just some access to water, a toilet, you know, shower, not so necessary, but you know, a little fridge in the shop would be really nice. And I mean, I need to get just a mini fridge now, but you know, like an actual full size fridge in there. It'd just be, you know, just some amenities because you end up spending so much time in there. Just be nice to get it all. That reminds me, I need to get my TV hung up in there. Yeah, you do. Oh, yeah. Let me ask you guys this uh, attached to the house or not attached to the house? Totally not attached. Unattached. Totally detached. Absolutely will be detached for me. Really? I kind of like the idea of, I mean, I walk out of my shop and like I'm basically right in my living room. Kind of nice. The the walls are pretty good at keeping the noise out. Like, I don't mind to be able to like go back and forth. Yeah, detached. Because I'm thinking of like, oh, it rains, it snows. I might be like, I don't feel like going to the shop because it's cold or whatever. Climate control. Oh, I'm you going, get, I'm you going get, attached. You get your heater or your, your AC I'm, I'm unit hooked up to an Alexa thing and be like, start up the heater, Alexa. Yeah. I 100% want a wood stove in my in my detached shop. Yes. yes like, I always want a wood stove because I'd love to just throw off cuts in there in the winter. And, and I the, always, smell, the smell is great. The smell is great. Well, it's just, I always, we burn wood here at my house to heat in the winter. We have a fireplace. I mean, I'd love to have a stove in my shop. We're not going to move far from here. Um, when we move, it'll be somewhere close. We get pretty, I mean, it's not cold like you guys get, but I mean, we get in the teens over in January. We get snow a few times, um, you know, and it's, I'd love to have, I definitely want detached. And the reason is because we have lots of family over a lot and, uh, I like to work in the shop really late and I don't want them to hear it. So I thought you were trying to say you just want a place to go hide. No, no, I love having family over, but I, when they all go to bed, I usually go into the shop after, like, if we're all doing family time in the evening or something and hanging out, having dinner and stuff, we go in the backyard. If I don't get in the shop during that time, I, I just, I'm spending time with them. Uh, when they go to bed, I go right into the shop. I need shop time. Otherwise, I get real jittery or whatever, you know, start itching my neck. And, uh, <laughs> but I know yeah, that it's, feeling. But it's, yeah, <laughs> passive aggressive. No, it's, um, <laughs> you know, I, it'd be nice to be detached and there's, a walk to a shop in the cold isn't going to stop me. For me, it's not going to stop me from going to the shop. I'm going to the shop. So, uh, Well, I'm a little girl about it, and I like to be dry and warm. I'm glad you picked that up. Um, now, to specify, <laughs> I don't I, – what I hate we the need current to get situation Pete an umbrella we have sponsor. Where the garage built into the house. Okay. <laughs> um, I would want it like kind of like attached, but definitely not part of the house. So, like you're, you're right, Mike, like make noise in the middle of the night and I don't have to worry. Like if I see and is running, I'm not waking everyone up. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I'd, I'd really like it detached. I mean, ultimately <clears throat> what I'd really like is to have the shop be a two story, like build this square, big square or rectangle shop 
have a, have a, my office and finishing would be in there. I'd like to have like a sh- a house, like a granny flat above it for when our family comes over, for, especially ones from out of town. That'd be cool. Somewhere where they can stay outside of the house and kind of feel detached. Because sometimes, I mean, when family comes out, comes in from out of town, they're they're here for like five days. So for everyone, it's nice when they can kind of go to their own place, you know, air quotes, own place, still on the property. It'd be nice. But that that's just my dream. But that's a realistic dream. That's like something we're trying to make happen in the next few years. So well, anyway, I don't know. It was, it was a good conversation. It was. Let's just well, I'm going to go, gonna gonna go buy a lottery this. ticket after this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's fun to dream. I mean, we listen, we're, we're all going to end up in some kind of a dream shop at some point. In our Are life, we? And I like I your so. I like your positivity there, Pete. Hey, man, I feel like we're all going to move. I mean, we're all still fairly young. We're going to move at some point in our life probably. And that's let's be real. At this point in our lives, that's one of the top five things on our wish list is either room for a shop or a shop on property. I'm making it happen. Like it's going to. Yeah, like that's like Emma's fully on board. She's when we're buying a house, she she knows that we're looking at like an acre or more or something with at least like a two and a half car garage, three car garage or something that where I can actually grow into it. There's I just a lot wanna, of good. I just want to say thank you because I haven't been told I'm young for a long time. I appreciate you're young. you're young. You have all your hair. Hey, what the, f- come on, man. <laughs> you shaved your head. <laughs> no, uh, the same. There's a lot of stuff I will sacrifice to make that happen. And I, I'm going to make that happen like that. That what I just described, there's a lot. I will sacrifice to make that happen. Really, I mean, I'll bet you I could think of one thing that you wouldn't sacrifice: shave your beard. For, for starters, it would be I'd us. shave my shave beard. your no, no I'd shave, <laughs> shave my beard. beard. If that, if someone was like, I really? make that happen, you, I'll shave my beard. Wow, wow, but cash in hand, not like post payment, you know. <laughs> no, um, but yeah, it's it's really important to me, and we we both really want more property. I don't want a ton of property. I grew up. When I was growing up as a kid, we grew up on I grew up on, on on five acres that was backed up to ten acres that was backed up to thousands of BLM land acres. I grew up on that. It's just a lot of work, and I don't really like yard work. Um, you know, I don't want tons of acres I have to maintain, and I don't want to let it go to disrepair either. So, a couple acres is nice. Uh, you know, maintain that, but really, I mean, I just want to shop. I just want my nice shop. I want my. I don't even want a big house. Both of us here, my wife and I, we don't. We don't, we're not big on, we got this, we got a pretty decent sized house and we're like, man, I wish we both wish we would have bought a smaller house because it's just a lot of maintenance. I mean, we'd love to, we'd both love to have just a smaller single story house. Um, We have a two story. I don't want a two story house again. I'll never buy a two story house again. I want a single story house that's significantly smaller than this and a good size shop. I mean, we don't, we end up just wandering around the house, you know? (laughs) Mm, I know that. (laughs) It's just, uh, you know, uh, 1200 square foot house and then uh uh 35,000 or 3500 35,000 35,000 I'm going to be hiring a factory. Um Yeah, no, like something like 12 to 1500 square feet would be ideal for us. Yeah. And plenty um, of space. And then a shop that's close to that size. <laughs> I mean realistically probably like, you know, 2000 square foot shop sounds great. I mean, but- and, and the thing is, it's not like that's something that's going to like, you know, if you put a giant shop on a property, it's not like you're bringing property value down. You're increasing it because that's a that's a shop space, hobby space for whoever. If you ever even moved that that's 
it's prime real estate right there. Yeah. It's a feature. I mean, yeah. you know, it's a specific person that's going to buy it, <clears throat> but uh, yeah. they exist. I mean, they obviously exist. Um, you know, and for me, it's like, who was it? Um, Mike? Gosh, I can't believe I'm not remembering his name. Farrington. Michael Farrington was talking about uh, on a YouTube video about keeping overhead down, you know, and this is something I want to do for a living. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I don't want to rent a space to, I don't want to have the overhead. You know, if I have my right. property and I owe, and you own everything, you're uh, a step ahead of the game for a lot yep. of people who do this. I mean, there's people around here, there's cabinet shops and uh, furniture makers around here. They rent their shop space and, mm-hmm. you know, that's not how you want to do it. You want to that's, own everything. That's what scares me about the woodworking school because it's, it's rented space. And right now we're, you know, we're not making any money and we have to pay rent. That's hard. Yeah. But, yeah. I mean, yeah. there's a lot of factors. So the more you can control, the better. <clears throat> My wife so, makes um, me pay follow, rent for the two-car garage. Do you guys follow <laughs> RR Buildings? Yeah. Uh, he did yeah. Duresta's place, right? Yeah. yeah dude, yeah. I, I literally watch his videos on YouTube just like dreaming, just like heart eyes the whole time. Like, I oh, just, oh, that's perfect size. Oh, yeah. And then, oh, that looks so nice. Like every shop they make. I just, I'm like in love with, and they look so freaking good and they put them up in like a week. Yeah. Speaking of dream shops. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. For and real. all of them are like 12 foot ceilings. They're massive. They're well insulated. Uh, they got power everywhere. Love it. Yeah, for sure. They know what they're doing. Um, I mean, what do you want to, do you guys want to jump into this voicemail real quick? Yeah, let's do yeah, that. <clears throat> all right. Let me pull this thing up. I didn't have it ready. Sorry. One second here. <coughs> um, well, this is oil from machine. Well, <laughs> hey, I was gonna pad. Give me a second here. You cut me off, man. <laughs> I'm sorry. We can is, we can edit this out. This is no, from this will Eric. not be edited out. <laughs> right. This this most of this podcast. We actually takes us 19 hours to record every show, and we're only yeah. able to get 55 minutes of good stuff. So <laughs> oh, you weren't supposed to tell people um, that. This is from <laughs> Eric with uh, Eli Woodworks. Um, I I guess maybe three four episodes ago. We got a voicemail from someone else named Eli, and I oh, really? thought it was yeah, and I thought it was Eric. I thought I, I I got confused, heat of the moment. Anyway, I apologize to both of them. I'm not sure who the other person was, and I apologize to Eric. But this is Eric with Eli Woodworks, and this is actually this is him. The, okay, yeah, for real. <laughs> hey guys, it's Eric with Eli Woodworks. First of all, love the podcast. Thanks for doing it. Um, my question for you guys is: I'm curious to know your collective take. Or like when a potential client wants you to make one wood like look like another wood, like um, using pine with a walnut or an oak stain, vice using just the real thing. Uh, how have you approached this with a client, um, and how do you feel about it? I mean, are you guys comfortable putting your name on a piece of furniture or basically any commission um, that fits within this scenario? Thanks a lot, and look forward to hearing you guys. Dan, how do you deal with a client who wants you to do that, and what are your feelings on it? First of all, I'm comfortable putting my name on it just because I'm always proud of the work that I do, and I do get paid. (laughs) It's no problem. Uh, Second, I like to do what I, I, I refer to as popcorn pricing. You know, when you go to the movie theater, popcorn is priced in such a way that it only makes sense in your head to get the larger popcorn just because it's not that much more. And why not get the larger, better popcorn? Right. So I'll do the same thing with, with, uh, projects that, 
a client wants me to stain them or whatever. I'll say, yeah, I can do it, but it's going to be extra work and it's going to be this and I'll price it in such a way that it only makes sense for them to get the, the better air quotes, the better wood. So more often than not, mm-hmm. they go after the, the walnut instead of the walnut stained pine. Because in reality, it does take a lot more work to stain something. And, you know, it, it comes with other issues as well. You know, pine isn't as stable and it, you know, it twists and bows and, you know, whatever. So that's how I approach that. And, you know, I would say it works 75 to 85% of the time. Pete? Nice. I, I usually, so like, obviously this is not my livelihood. You know, if I, if I turn someone away or, uh, not that I would turn someone away for this, but I've basically talked people out of projects because I've had a lot of friends uh, reach out to me uh, and or like colleagues or coworkers basically wanting a project done really cheaply and they would give me a budget that's very cheap and they would they would want it to look like walnut or something. And I'd be very real with them and tell them like, hey, like this could probably get done for this, but it won't be as good a quality. And I like basically almost like talk them out of it. But when they're already coming in with a budget, it's a little harder to like renegotiate them to a better wood. Um, now, as far as if I am, you know, if it's somebody that's flexible, they do want the project done. I do try to offer them some other wood options, you know, even if they don't want to go for top shelf, like walnut or something, um, you know, instead of pine, maybe I'll go with like old growth uh, Douglas fir. Cause we can get that at our local yard. It's really nice, tight grain. It's really solid stuff. It's a lot harder than uh, any just regular pine that you'd pick up. Um, or even like an oak or, you know, some soft maple or something. Something that'll at least be durable. A lot of times it's like, oh, uh, you know, what about a table or something like this? I want them to use something better. Now, if it's something that like, you know, it's not going to get a lot of traction. It just needs to look good or whatever. If they do want to use pine, I, you know, I basically, again, I'm proud of the, like Dan said, I'm proud of the the, the product and I would put my name on it because I make sure that anything that comes out of the shop is quality, but I, w- I need the customer to understand what they're getting for the money. So sometimes talking them up to a better wood or something a little more expensive is better because like Dan said, the labor alone on like having to stain everything and pre-stain and all that stuff, that's a lot of extra material uh, or um, consumables instead of material and a lot of extra labor. And at the end of the day, you're looking at almost an identical price. True, Dude, true. What about you, Mike? I am in the middle of dealing with this right now not dealing with this make it sound like a real it's not a real issue just something you have to address um i am i just got my first i just got my first order for a piece of furniture from a client um i did a sketch up for them on it and they accepted it i'm waiting for them to pay for their deposit but they've accepted it um i actually called dan about this because i i was kind of trying to figure out how to approach it um they want a farmhouse style headboard. I priced up a headboard and a full bed for a king size. Um, they did not go with the bed. They went with the headboard because of the price, I'm assuming, which is totally fine. Um, but they want a stained bed because it's a farmhouse style bed. And that's what you do for farmhouse style. I basically told them I won't do it out of pine or dug fur, um, because I don't want to spend two to three times extra cleaning my tools afterwards and that's my big gripe with those softer woods is your tools are just a disaster afterwards i've literally had to go through with a scrub brush 
when I built the um, the frame for my outfeed table, that's out of some old, old pine I had gotten from some deal. Um, and it's really good pine because it's really old stuff. It has really thin grain, but it doesn't matter. It still has a ton of pitch in it, and it messes up your tools. Um, and yeah. that's not something – I just don't want to deal with it. So that's true. I told them um, I won't do it out of pine. And if they want to, I can get them some people locally that I know will do it. There's a guy here locally who, who's doing stuff like that right now. Uh, and he'd be a good price too. <clears throat> and I told them, hey, if they if they absolutely want it stained, I gave them all their options. You know, I, I went with ash. We're going. I priced it out with ash because ash takes a stain really well. And it's a good hardwood. And uh, I did price them up with walnut. And they didn't want that. They want the stained wood. And that's what the customer wants. And that's really all that matters. I mean, there's, like I said, there is a line for me and everyone's got to decide what they're not going to do. I don't want to deal with pine. Uh, I have to deal with a stain now, which I don't like staining wood, but it doesn't matter if I like staining wood or not. I'm not the customer. And I gave them the price. The walnut was basically going to be cheaper. (laughs) I mean, because the most expensive thing in any project is labor. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's why Dan's three com 10 three times the cost of the material plus 10% makes sense because labor is twice as much as the material cost. I mean, that's how it works. I'm in the construction industry. That's how it works for us. I mean, 33% of the job cost of material, everything else is labor for a job. Uh, That's a very realistic way of breaking things down. So um, I'm in the middle of that. You just have to work it out with them. And, you know, there's certain things that you won't do as a maker. I won't work with pine. I've, gotten rid of all my pine. I won't work with it anymore. I just won't. I'm tired of having to clean my tools. It's a disaster. It gets everything all over the place. If you're comfortable with working with pine, then that's great. Just work it out with your customer. And in terms of my my feelings on it, um, <clears throat> as long as the customer's happy, that's all that matters for my business end. For myself, I won't have it in my house. I won't build something out of the stuff. I won't stain wood unless it makes... Sometimes stain just does make the most sense for a piece we were talking about uh, Bows. Was it a dresser, Dan? Yeah, he made like a dresser console thing. Console thing, yeah. And he painted the walnut. It looked amazing. I mean, it looked amazing. And then Dan painted yeah. that game. It just ma- sometimes you, you, it just makes sense. It's the right thing for the piece. So you know, I try to avoid it as much as possible. But um, it because stain is more of a crutch. It's more for taking a cheaper wood and trying to make it look like a nicer wood when really using the wood you're trying to emulate is almost the same price ultimately when you're building stuff. What's up, Dan? That reminds me. See if uh, your local hardwood supplier has that Cambria ash. It's that that oven-baked ash. It's already oh, they brown. Do. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah, use that. I wonder what that price difference is. They it shouldn't do be too it. much. It shouldn't be too much different, actually. Yeah, it saved me. That's a good point. I'm gonna it would save you a lot of time. <clears throat> it save me a lot of time. Yeah. Boom! That, you're welcome. The ba- they actually have baked everything. They have baked red oak, baked walnut, ba- yeah, I mean, baked that. Alaska, baked Alaska. <laughs> <laughs> baked mm, that sounds good right now. Um, but also to an even more extreme point, and I don't want to go down the epoxy road too deep. Um, but I have a friend's. Their acquaintances, they're friends of friends, but they're acquaintances. We know them. They reached out to me about a coffee river table. And, um, like a coffee <clears throat> river table? Like, or like my coffee? coffee river table or coffee table? Let me know when you guys are done. That's a river table. Just let me know. <laughs> 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 
So a coffee table, that's a river table. So but they you were buy coffee. At, they, you know, I, 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 those are really popular right now. Um, they're huge. They're still huge. Um, and I won't. I don't want to go into the like my deep feelings on epoxy. I'm just not a huge fan of epoxy. I don't really care to work with epoxy. I think it's great. I use Total Boat because it's so easy to use and it's so great for stabilizing wood and as an adhesive. I don't really use it as like uh, I don't do big pours. Um, a local guy to me and a and a guy that we all know uh, is Chad with Rescue Wood Co. He does big epoxy pours and. You know, I, I reached out to him. He's going to help me with that project when it comes up. Basically, I'm going to subcontract him out to do the pour, and I'll do the rest of it. I'll build the base and the, and the actual wood part. Um, but we're still wait. I'm still waiting to hear back from them. But you know, they had no idea how much something like that would cost. They they were, they were like, "Could we get this for around 500 bucks?" I was like, "That's how much <laughs> the epoxy is going to cost." Yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah, like, I, I don't think most people realize how much epoxy costs. Well, well, now that it's such a um, a popular item, the price has just skyrocketed. You know, it's so expensive. Um, they don't understand. You know, I told them, look, wood's going to be like 150 bucks. Epoxy's going to be probably 350 bucks. And then you got to get legs. Uh, they want to do the metal legs, of course. Um, and I can get legs. I'll get those. I'll get some legs through Bear Hollow. I price this thing up and I was like, look, you know, I'm three times the cost of material. Your material cost is already at $650 or $550. I was like, I'll give you a little break because they're friends of a f- friends of friends and acquaintances. But you know, and it, it it relates to this because some you just have to work things out with the customer is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Like they don't, you know, the best thing to do is, hey, what's your budget? <laughs> you know, that's the best first question to have. Um, this particular couple, um, they do pretty well, and I don't know that. The budget is the issue. I just don't think they were aware of how much things cost. And you just have to break it down. And people are overall generally understanding. And if they're not, you don't want them to be your customer anyway. But if when yeah. people are understanding and you explain to them, hey, look, uh, I my, my time is not free. Uh, I, I cost money to do stuff. That's why you're coming to me. And you don't need to be arrogant. Right. Let me rephrase that. You should not be arrogant. You should approach that with them in a way that is uh, customer service oriented and, you know, their business is important to you. So you need to make sure that you uh, express that to them. And um, that's the best way to deal with it. But as far as feelings go, you really shouldn't get too many feelings in it when there's customers involved. And the bottom line is until you're someone like a Joey Brigham who can make whatever you want and sell it for whatever amount you sell, put on there. Uh, which be a long road for anyone to get to. We have to build whatever people ask us to build. We don't get to build stuff and sell whatever we want. So that's the bottom line. <laughs> that so. comes back to the dream shop. I'm going to have a shop big enough for a showroom and I can build whatever I want and just put in there and <clears throat> people yeah. can come in and walk through. and Yeah, like a retail space. Yes. Yeah. And now I know we gripe a lot on stain, but there's nothing wrong with stain. Just no. use it right and use it responsibly and use it on right wood i mean listen i've seen uh glenn garino the guy that's taught me a lot of stuff that he's in his 70s has been a master woodworker for 50 60 years he used walnut stain on walnut what? to match the colors like like okay. i've actually he seen uses that. it <laughs> as a tool as an ex- like an, you yeah. know it's not just to like hit pine with it but that makes sense another thing to me. he does is he bring, he builds uh substrates out of mdf puts beautiful book matched veneers on stuff mm-hmm. and then maybe hits it with a stain so that it you know looks consistent. He's making that. his own plywood. Yeah. yeah. It the 
like there is a there is a place to be using stains. Obviously, stain. You know, we like beautiful wood look, but a lot of customers out there they they don't care if it's walnut, they don't care if it's cherry, no. they just want gray wash on it. Right, and <laughs> you know. That reminds me, like, in my feed on Instagram this week, I can't remember who it was, but somebody was using Rubio Monocoat chocolate on walnut, and it looked amazing. Mm. Hmm. It, just to get a, a consistent color across the whole piece. Interesting. I was like, oh, that's not huh. ter- a terrible idea. No, that's not a terrible idea. That makes sense to me to get the consistency that you're looking for. Yeah. Right, with yeah. the stain and everything. For walnut, you like, like to cut it, it like, and mix it with other stains, too. Because yeah. you can you can mix it or cut it to make it a little lighter if you just need a hue. Maybe you just have really light walnut and you just want to make it pop a little bit. Just do some test pieces because you don't want this thing to look ridiculous. That's true. So, there, um, there. I think know. we covered uh, Eric's yeah. question very yeah, well. I think so, too. Um, we're very ranty today. I love it. <laughs> yeah, it's good. We're, we're pretty deep into the podcast. Do we want to jump into some... Wait, we had a question that kind of fed off the uh, Dream Shop, right? Uh, or did we not? Um, it was yeah, the, what from, is your ideal shop? Yeah. Oh, well, I guess we kind of got into that then. So. <laughs> what, is, what is your ideal shop size? I think we covered yeah, that. I mean, 40 by... I think we all mentioned a size. Dan wanted 50 by 80, I think. And, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I need at least 40 by 40. I want yeah, I want 40 by wheel. 40 or 40 by 50, yeah. I want to be... I want to clarify my answer. I want 47... Point eight by fifty one point two. You're so stupid. Yep. Very <laughs> stupid. He wants a very long miter station, and that's what it. That is. question was by Easy Sack Workshop from. Dan. It's actually supposed to be East Sack Workshop. I know Dan's local. Um, <laughs> not Easy Sack. Well, <laughs> hopefully, we answer. That I like Easy Dan. Sack though. We that's did. better. Yeah, that's fun. Not that kind of podcast. Let's jump into this question though from uh, Karen and Justin over <laughs> KJC. Woodwork and epoxy. Um, how do you apply your maker's mark to your projects? I have seen a lot of makers using branding irons. Have you explored those and or other options? Do you even use a maker's mark? And when should I start using one? I'm going to jump in right away with when should you start using one? It's whenever you want to. I mean, I mean, there's no right or wrong answer to that. We can't answer that. If you want to do it, just get one. It's really fun. It's really cool putting your mark on stuff, and those are a great way to do it. I see people uh, that just sign their name with a Sharpie, and then they hit some poly over it or whatever clear coat they're doing over the top. They're, it doesn't matter. There's no right or wrong. They're fun, but they're very expensive. <laughs> I mean, I wish I had known early on to buy an electric one because now I just can't justify. I bought the, the torch heated one, and I just can't really justify buying an electric one. Where'd you so get I yours from, like, Mike? I don't want to br- say who I got them from because the service was really bad. Oh, um, tell me so, off air. I'll tell you off air. The, <laughs> the service was super duper bad, uh, and it took them six weeks to get me my brand. And when I put my order in, they didn't mention it on their website, but they had just gotten married, and they were going to take two weeks off. But they didn't tell anyone on their website. <clears throat> so I'm emailing them, hey, where's my order? Where's my order? No update on my order. And they're like, oh, we got married. We're, we closed up for shop for two weeks. I'm like, what? <laughs> anyway. Awesome. Uh, yeah, really cool service. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think the branding iron is so cool and classy looking. Um, I also really like, you know, that's a next step up is lasers. You know, you can get a laser to in, to put your logo in on stuff, which is cool because you can scale the size on those. Uh, but obviously, that's a very expensive option. <coughs> um 
CNC, you can engrave your, your logo into something. I don't know if Pete does that. He can speak to that. But um, I think you should do it as soon as you can. And if you're going to get a brand, I would say get an electric one and just bite the bullet and get it early because you're going to hate using a torch because <laughs> I do. <laughs> it just takes so long. I just I bought a hot plate off Amazon, and that's how I'm going to be. I'm going to try that tonight. Uh, there's been some people that have been using a hot plate to heat their torch-heated ones. You just put it on there and wait till it's hot and then check it out. We'll see if it works. I'm going to try it on some test pieces. But i got to brand the uh, nightstand drawer boxes tonight, so I'm going to put them on the side of the drawer boxes. Um but yeah, I mean, that's kind of my take on it. What about you, Pete? Uh, this is another reason why I want a wood burning stove in a shop, right? I was going to mention heat that. up in the winter, just heat it up on top of the so, stove. But uh, so I have a, and I did the same thing. I didn't get the electric one, but I have a uh, a metal brand that I use. Um, I just heat it up over a torch, actually, because I realized I was being impatient just by holding it. So what I do now is just I set up the torch, point it up, and then I hang my brand off of something <laughs> i leave it and walk away when i come back it's like it's cherry hot or i just shift it around make sure the whole thing's warm and then pop it on there um with a little spritz of water just so it doesn't burn too much little little pro tip that i learned but uh, i do that i'm actually getting a second smaller brand i have a secondary logo uh that i've been playing around with for a couple months i kind of have it in mm. random spots around the shop it's like a mini one and i want to make it um one inch tall because I want it for smaller projects for ones where a two and a half inch by an inch and a half tall brand is like, you know, if it's a coaster or something, if I can just hit the back of it with a nice little one inch by yeah. one inch brand, it's a like square that. or a hexagon type thing. Um, then, you know, or the side of a cutting board so you can really see it, you know, cause I, I, I personally like, all right, I, I like my logo. I want my logo out there, but I'm not going to always brand it on top of something, especially if it's a board that I'm going to be engraving on the CNC, which I am getting into now. Uh, but I'd still want my logo on it, so maybe if I put it on the edge of it, it's you know it's a nice way to show it off. The other thing that I'm really excited about is I've seen a lot of people with rubber stamps huh. or rubber stamp hammers, which is I think really cool. Oh, yep, Dan's got one. Um, and I'm playing around and doing some research on actually carving out the design on the CNC, and then seeing if I can use that as a stamp, just like attach it to a block of wood, or huh. maybe go over the top actually make a hammer for it so i can just go like boom and just like stamp an envelope or a box that i'm shipping out um for a while what i actually did is i had a 3d printed outline of my logo and i put it on the side of a box and just spray paint it and then take it off hmm. and my logo is spray painted on it just because i think it's the really cool style. like when i got a sticker swap or something when it's like a stick or like a stamp on the outside and i know the brand instantly with before i even read the name like that's i think that's a really cool way to like Brand stuff. It's almost like, you know, when you get an Amazon box and it's a smile, unless it's upside down and it's a frown. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But that's kind of how I play around with it. And then for anything 3D printed, I model my logo right into it, somewhere on the the design. So when you get something from me, it's got my logo on it. That's really smart. I really like that. What about you, It looks really good. Well, you hit on what I use. I don't have a brand in iron. I've never uh, invested in that. I've been thinking about it, but it's not a priority for me. I have several rubber stamps in different sizes, and you can get them real cheap on rubberstamps.net. Not affiliated. It's just really a cheap, good solution. Um, so I use those. I also had a buddy laser engrave a bunch of medallions for me on quarter-inch plywood with my logo. And I used to do like a, a Forstner bit. I would just 
drill down a little bit and then glue in a medallion. Mm. Oh, that's, that's really cool. I've, I saw who did I see doing that? I think I saw KJ Sawdust do that uh, huh. about a year or two ago, and I was like, "Oh, that's brilliant!" So I had a a local buddy laser. Christy over at Oak Hill Millworks made me some of those, um, yeah. and I think that'd actually be really cool on like yeah, some it looks really classy. Pieces. Yeah, that's a really cool idea, man. Hmm. I used them all up so. Uh, that actually reminds me, a uh, buddy of my Ryan over at Morningwood, he he actually got a company to make him a hundred like brass, like they're hard brass, um, like I don't know, medall- they're medallions, they're but they're brass, so you can actually attach them. I think they have like pins in them or something, or I don't know if he glues them on or sets them in there a little bit. And basically, he just puts these medallions on it. He makes really nice, like high end, thick. Um, end grain cutting boards. So he slaps them on the side. Oh, and yeah. It's really professional. Uh, really cool. And Dan, he actually recently made one of those checkerboards too, ironically. Like right after you posted yours, he posted one too. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's, you know, there's a lot of different ways to brand your work. But yeah, just signing it. If you're doing a table or something, just flip it upside down, sign your name, go to Poly, you know, put the year on it. I know some people do the date, uh, like the month and year on there too, which is pretty cool. Just put it put it somewhere or hide it somewhere where no one's gonna see it. You know, like if you just want to at least sign your work, so you know. Yeah, yeah, it's cool. It's important. You know, we spend and put a lot of our time and hearts into these pieces, mostly, and we want to. It's nice to put your stamp on there or something that shows that you made it. I mean, it's craftsmanship. It's just part of it. You know, do something. Yeah, yeah. there's no like right answer. Doing, craftsmen have been, have been doing that for centuries. So yep. putting their mark yep. on their work. And it's, you want to be proud of your work, you know? It's your work. I'd like I mean, to think you know. that my pieces are going to outlive me, so there will be a part of me out there yeah. with my name on it. Sense of pride. It's really cool. <laughs> um, so that, that want to do another question? One. Yeah, I think we should. You want to do this Just, recommendations for a hand sander? Uh, yeah, sure. So uh, this was from... Kent Blank. I'm sorry. Gotta... Kent oh, yeah, Blank. Kent five Blank. dogs build. Uh, five dog build. Yep. Good dude. So he wants to know recommendation on hand sander. I, I'm not going to lie. I read that and I automatically was like, well, like I use a, like a block of wood with hook and loop <laughs> tape on it and I have square hook and loop sandpaper. It, and it is guys vague. are like, no, he means orbital sander. <laughs> but actually, no, I, I have several different shaped blocks including curved and square and like a triangle with hook and look tape on it and that's what i use for a lot of like hand sanding and fine tuning but as far as uh sander goes there's a lot i mean listen we can we can talk about this all day i have just a basic standard dewalt uh the model that's the cusp or the you can change the speed on it because i think that's important it is yeah uh but one of the most important things that I think you can consider on a sander is a dust collection. So I have an attachment for mine that I can hook it up to a vacuum and B is the pad on the, the sander. Uh, the pad makes one of the biggest differences aside from like just sheer power. Uh, so I have a soft medium and hard pad. Usually I keep the medium on there, but um, I actually don't use the soft that often, but the, the hard is really good, especially if you're sanding and you're trying to make sure not to accidentally round over anything. Uh, cause I think that makes a big difference. Yes. Now, if I had, if I could have any sander and the one that I'm probably going to buy next is probably a, uh, six inch road, uh, is it six inch rotex or five yeah. inch rotex? It's probably the six inch. Six inch. Yeah. The six, cause I think a six inch is just a must. If you're doing anything like 
larger than like 18 by 18 regularly, you need something that size. It just cuts down to power and the aggressive mode on Rotex is incredible. I used it in my buddy's shop and I I just fell in love with it. It just shears off material um, and it's really nice. So that would be kind of like my dream one. Definitely that six inch Rotex. Nice. Dan? What about you, Dan? Well, I don't own a six inch sander and I <laughs> regularly do big projects. However, if you don't have the money for a Rotex, a Festool branded Rotex, Get yourself the Bosch 1250 DEV. That thing is a beast. Mm-hmm. I've used it in other shops, and it's great. And I'm going to get one for myself here pretty soon, probably. Um, what it's are got my the gear rec- driven or the random orbit, right? Yeah, it, it it's either circular and it just takes off a lot of material, or it, mm-hmm. it will do a random orbit. And it's the if you're doing big table projects and you're using that thing to flatten, because I would do that at the other shop I used to work in. We would use that thing to flatten a lot, and it takes off so much material. It is ridiculous. Um, like Pete, I also have the De- the DeWalt basic one, except mine is so basic you can't even uh, adjust the speed, and it's so mm. old it doesn't random orbit anymore. <laughs> oh wow! <laughs> I need to replace it. I also have a Milwaukee uh, uh, M18 fuel sander that I love. It's Got very low vibration. I just wish I had a bigger battery for it. I was going to say, that's the battery one, right? Yeah, it's great. How, how does that last? Like, how long does the battery last? Well, it depends on what battery you get. I have a 5 amp hour battery. I wish I had an 8 or 9 amp hour battery for that thing. Uh, the 5 amp hour battery lasts for probably, if you're using it nonstop, not 5 hours. It's like 2 hours, maybe, of, well, of solid okay. sanding. Yeah, yeah, that's a I've used time. ones with the, the smaller. I've used the... I think it was a rigid with a, with a smaller battery. And it was, I think I got like under an hour out of it. And I was like, Oh, this sucks. Cause I'm used to just corded. And never I mean, we could go it. into my love for Milwaukee if you want. <laughs> sure. No, I, I love Milwaukee. <laughs> Milwaukee's great brand. I don't want any trouble. <laughs> <laughs> Fight me. Anyway, yeah. I mean, those are my, uh, my whatever. What about you, Mike? Go, Mike. Well, I have the, talk. um, I have the Bosch. I had a, the square pad rigid that I started with, you know, that was this random square pad and that thing's garbage. And then I, <laughs> um, got the Bosch and I've had that for almost two years now and it's a good sander. I mean, I have no problems with it. I just, I'm getting into bigger pieces now and I just need something more effective. And I mean, my arm will start getting pretty numb after about an hour and a half of sanding with that thing. Um, it does its job. I mean, it's the price point is, I think it's 60 bucks or something like that. <clears throat> you know, sanding is just one of those things that really sucks. And I'm starting to get to the point now where it's starting to make more sense to buy a nicer one. So in terms of being to relate to his question, what's your recommendations for hand sander? I do recommend either the, the DeWalt or the Bosch. The DeWalt is, uh, my, my friend has that. I've used it. It's, I think that it and the Bosch are basically the same exact sander. I don't think there's any difference. Um, variable speed is important. I will admit that I've never adjusted the speed on mine ever, uh, but I do know that you should probably be doing that. Um, and like Pete said, the different pa- the pads are important. I do have the, the hard and the medium. I never bought the soft because I didn't see any need for it, but um, it, I guess it would work on miters and or bevels and stuff if you're wanting or to get curves. around that anyway. Yeah, curves and stuff, so... But I've never really done any of that. 
So, yeah, I mean, those those two to start are great. And then, I mean, he didn't really specify Random Orbit Sander. Me and Dan sort yeah. of guessed that. But there's little kits you can buy on different websites where they have different profiles for the hand sanding ones. Those are really important as you get into furniture. I mean, you need to get into some weird places that a Random Orbit Sander cannot get yeah. into. Um, what's up, Dan? Oh, none. I was. Just, oh, you look like you were. Okay. I'm stroking <laughs> my non non visible mustache. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's. there's uh, now, have you yeah. have you guys messed around with the? Uh, so you said, uh, Mike, you said you messed around with the square pad one, but I've never really used a square pad one, nor have I used the triangle ones. Have you guys mm-hmm. ever used those? Yes, actually, I was going to bring that up. Uh, one of my little detail sanders is a Dremel. The little Dremel triangle oh, thing? head. Yeah. Those are I great need to, for... I need to get one for in corners and stuff. I really need yes. to get one. I, and I haven't... Those are great for that. that. Yeah. Um, And, you know, and then to, like, take it to the next level. I mean, Dan was talking about the uh, the, um, the the monster Bosch, the six-inch Bosch. I think in the short term, I think I am going to pick that one up. I think it's, like, 250 or to $300 for that thing. 279 maybe. Yeah, something like that. It's obviously the next tier, um, but I'm kind of just in the mode where I've been really looking into. There's a few brands higher, obviously the Rotex. Um, I'm not super keen to get into the Rotex, um, no real reason. But I looked at the Indasas this week. I've been talking with a rep within the with Indasa. We're looking at setting up a demo, and I was talking to some people online. Uh, one guy was uh, Justin with Rustic rustic grains he's got the indasa and he's very happy with it but it's um it's more of a finish it's just more for finishing in terms of its stroke size and stuff it's like a finish sander so he's got the he already had the rotex and uh so he can just run that thing on rotex mode to get when he's got to remove a ton of material and then he hops over to the indasa when he needs to do finish work so he's already he's got he's got a great setup for himself but i don't have a rotex and i've been watching videos on YouTube and I was telling the guys about Will Walker's video and he did a, a comparison cause he has the Rotex and he did a comparison between the Merca and the Rotex and that, that Merca Daros was removing material faster than the Rotex was. And it's a finishing sander. So, uh, that, that's where I'm kind of like, do I want to buy two more sanders or I just want to buy the last sander I'm going to buy in terms of finishing up stuff. So I'm kind of at that point where I just, I, I just want to get that last sander, I think. I think I'm just going to make the huge jump. I'm going to keep my Bosch. The thing works fine. Yeah. But I really need something for large surfaces that can make it go fast. I hate sanding. Everyone, I mean, actually, not everyone. There, I I'm, I make the joke in stories where I hate sanding. You know, everyone makes a joke. But I'll get random people like, I find it relaxing. And I wish I was that person. <laughs> but I'm not. You I, know what I find relaxing that is kind of like sanding, and we didn't really mention this, but it helps me a lot with sanding, is a card scraper. I oh, have yeah, several I card that. scrapers. Mm-hmm. And listen, if you hate sanding or if you just want to get that like final like finish on something, damn, put a sharp card scraper on something, and you might want to skip that last last little bit of sanding. Yeah. It is amazing. Like I a sharp card scraper will change your life. I remember the last time, or the first time I used it, I was like, whoa, this is amazing. Like, it's just yeah. super nice. It's not something that people use enough, I don't think. Uh, but it's a- And the best- Go ahead. The best part is it doesn't flatten the grain like sanding does. So you're not having to raise the grain as much. Right. So it's really nice because you could just, you know, cut- Because you're literally cutting the fibers. You're pulling on them. It's, where sanding, you're kind of heating it up. You're flattening them out. Uh, so that's why you got to keep raising the grain or 
do so many different sandings. But hey, uh, great grandpa didn't have any uh, Rotex. He just right. had a scraper, and somehow that table in your kitchen's still fine. I got. Yeah, I'm assuming I've got has one. three card scrapers from DFM Toolworks, and they're always like great to go, like right out of the packaging. Mm-hmm. And I need DFM. to learn how to. I need to learn how to sharpen those babies because they're amazing. Will Walker has a, his burnishing video on burnishing card scrapers is really good. So yeah, it, it, that's who I learned my. That's how I learned how to do it, and it's just like a ten minute process. It's super simple, but that's the that's my one gripe with card scrapers is that you have to reburnish them pretty quickly. So it's you know, I think of like any hand tool where like hand planes, you know, you got to buff the bottom once in a while. A lot of people right, don't. but with a card scraper, you have to do it often. It's yeah. not like Especially every few months. It's like after you've done one panel. Especially yeah. if you're so. like me and you're scraping glue lines with them. Yeah. Oh, well, you're going to town with that. See, I have uh, I have two, and I have all four sides or the the four long sides sharpened, so that each side of each card. Uh, so that way, I'm you know I'm able to just flip it over and then go again and flip the other side, go again. So you're almost getting like you can get eight sets of blades or four sets of blades out of each card scraper because you have both sides on both edges, right? In a way, but it takes a year, right? Though it takes a little while to you know to sharpen and everything. I do have like sharpening bad. days, which usually is just a whole day of me like sitting there with chisels and oh, planes and all that. But hey, dude, then like I can pick up a chisel. I mean, we've all seen like someone like use a chisel in a project. It's like, oh, that's a big chip in there. Or that's just like glue on that thing. You know, if if you have a sharp chisel, you can go in. Like, a lot of times, like those corner. If I need to sand in a corner or something, I have a set of like really sharp, and they're like something works chisels they're like cheapo ones but i have them so sharp that i'll go into a corner and like clean it up with the chisel instead of like if there's a glue line or something and i'm done i'm not even sanding in that corner yeah yeah i i need actually need to go through i need to spend some time sharpening mine i just picked up a new set of mortising chisels too i need to get those all all dialed in as well i need to spend some time doing that it's been a while especially since i want to start doing on the on the um the drawer or the nightstands that we're doing for our that I'm doing for our bedroom for the drawer boxes I want to do dovetails. <laughs> so, Whoa! Um, yeah, I know. Whoa. I want to do for the just for the front for the front piece. So <laughs> just for the show piece, just for the show piece. The rest <laughs> will just be Brad nails and glue. <laughs> 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 no, I want to. I want to. That's where. That's I. I was talking with you know we were talking with Matt at Shapeshifter and he was like I was telling him I want to do the 30 day dovetail challenge and he's like you're not going to learn it that way. Learn it by doing it on a project, and that makes a lot of sense with me. That resonates. So, I think there are people that thirty day dovetail challenge makes sense for, but he's right. For me, it's it's about using it in something that's actually going to become a final product. So instead of just throwing a piece of walnut, like oh look, I have this dovetail joint, I'll just burn it, I guess. So <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> just make sure you put that in a story. Yep, yep. got to put it in a story. Um. I guess uh, we can start wrapping this bad boy up. I mean, uh, we're 19 hours into our recording session, and yep. I should probably start editing this thing soon. <laughs> yeah, I should probably eat and go to the bathroom. It's been yeah. oh, a long time. Yeah, we've, <laughs> we've, we've, got, we've got some family. <laughs> we got family <laughs> coming over for Mother's Day stuff, and I need to get in the shop. I need to fix all my boo boos from last night. So, oh um, gosh, don't remind me. I guess me. we'll just wrap up this rascal. Uh, thanks everyone who was who's listening. If uh, you know, this is going to be out today. I'll get it out this afternoon. So happy nice. Mother's you Day to those who hear it. 
And um, thank you for listening. And sorry we were all a bit distant this week on uh, calls to action. We realized that on Friday that we hadn't really been interacting with anyone on the podcast page. Um, We'll work on that. That's our fault. Um, (laughs) uh, We really appreciate everyone who listens. We really appreciate all the feedback. Um, We just really love this community. We're really, really thankful that we have you guys. Yes, yes. uh, You know, keep downloading, keep listening, keep giving us those questions. You can... uh, Call in to the Google Voice line at seven five four call AWP. Um, and if that's seven five four two two five five two nine seven. Boom. Um, or if you want to send in a voicemail with the recording app on your phone, just send it to another Woodshop Podcast at gmail And you know you can always send us messages. Uh, you can DM us all directly on Instagram. Uh, you can DM the podcast Instagram. Um, those are the best ways to get a hold of us, but. Again, we will talk to you guys next week. Hope you have a good week. And, uh, you know, we love you long time. Don't forget to go give us love reviews. Love you guys. Oh, yeah, write us reviews. Re- rewind, us rewind, rewind. Every rewind. week we forget. Uh, <laughs> I think maybe, Dan, you should just start jumping in instead of hard pumping the brakes on the podcast. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, go we give we, us reviews give, wherever yeah, you listen reals. to your your uh, podcast, please. Yep. Whatever yep, platform. But especially on Apple podcast that's where the reviews really matter for us because 80 percent of people listen to us on apple podcast really um yeah uh the statistics are staggering um we're available on every platform every platform but apple podcasts where the 72 to 78 percent of listeners listen to us from uh from week to week it changes but yeah Anyway, that's it for us. Uh, We hope you have a good week, and we love you long time, and we will talk to you very soon. Oh, you guys are just going to leave me hanging here? (laughs) (laughs) Bye-bye. Love you guys. See you next week. Love you long time.